Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets. But the point is, I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And of course, the Lakers with the draft coming up. What do you anticipate this is going to look like? Well, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, they have a lot of great young pieces and put themselves in a great position to pick up yet another. And uh, I'm looking forward to them having a bright future. to the Lakers legacy where trust the process and flash the progress have unfortunately taken back seats to our new motto. Hashtag cap space better. Hashtag save the cap space. Alan, do you like our new mottos? Um, I don't know if I like the idea, <laughs> but the execution of creating mottos uh, are things that I approve of. Yeah. Exactly. So obviously, hashtag Save the Cap Space is a little dig at hashtag trust the process. And do you know what hashtag Cap Space better is a dig at? You know, I was trying to figure it out. I actually voted on the poll on our Twitter page. <laughs> um, and I, I did not vote for that one. And I was in the minority because of it. So, yeah, explain that to me. So, actually, hashtag Cap Space better is a dig at the hashtag that's been going around the last year or so that people have been putting where they just go hashtag Kobe better to literally anything and anyone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, any, any, like any player, people will just tweet Kobe better, you know. But now it's funny because you can just say hashtag Cap Space better because it's a legitimate thing that we have to say. Hey, we can sign Isaiah Thomas. Hashtag Cap Space better. Oh, my God. Hey, we, we could have had D'Angelo Russell. Hashtag cap space better. You know, you keep going down the line forever. But you know what? Today's episode and show, there will actually be some very tangible and intriguing prospects to look forward to and be excited about. 
much more tangible than your figment of imagination bum-ass Capspace McGee. Because we have Josh Riddell from Draft Express on to grade out the Lakers draft last Thursday and also talk about the four intriguing prospects that the Lakers drafted. A little more so on the latter three, obviously, because Lonzo Ball we've exhausted to the point of, you know, exhaustion. Um, But also, you know, we'll be going into deeper depth on Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, and also our undrafted free agent PJ Dozier. So uh, look forward to that in just a few minutes. Before we get to that, though, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times LeVar Ball will keep his shirt on this next year instead of taking it off because that is unfortunately what we had to witness tonight at Monday Night Raw WWE. Did you see that, Helen, by the way? I I saw the clip. Uh, (laughs) I DVR'd Monday Night Raw for the first time in my life. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll fast forward to that point for sure. But uh, I I saw the GIF, yes. I think we only need to see it once and we'll probably see it multiple times because of the GIF. Would you judge me if I said I, I already saw it like 10 times? That, no, I mean, no, it, it okay, makes thanks. sense. No, but yeah, please rate interview us so we can make sure that it doesn't happen live again anytime. And he's got to keep the big baller brand shirt on, right? Isn't that the yeah, goal? Keep you want to get on. as much face time with that as possible instead of taking it off. No, we don't need to see some big baller nips too. So <laughs> please, you got some big baller abs. <laughs> right now, I think our rating and reviews is at one sixty nine. It would look so much better if it was at one seventy. I like those whole numbers. Oh yeah, I want that round number for sure. Exactly. Speaking of rating and reviews, I know we haven't done this in a while, but we're going to bring it back because it's fun and we got some new listeners. So we are going to have Coach Luke Walton do the review for us tonight. So, Coach, take it away. All right. Well, just wanted to say thanks for having me back, guys. I know it's been a while. Hope you're having a good summer. So this one says best Laker podcast. Five stars. F. Galdman. If only my review could be read by Coach Walton. Oh, that's me. That's funny. (laughs) All right. It says, I would give this podcast six stars if I could. The hosts are extremely knowledgeable, funny, and have fresh takes on the Laker franchise. Every time one of their podcasts is posted, I know my morning jog at 4 a.m. Shout out to Kobe. Wow, that's impressive. Will be that much more enjoyable. In short, this pod is lit. Can you guys also please say who the artist is that does the theme song at the beginning of the pod? There have been three different ones, and I like them all, but don't know the artist or song name. We could definitely do that, Mr. F. Galden. Cool. Thank you, Luke Walton. Just to clarify... The intro song, current intro song, is called Forever. It's by our good buddy Eric Webb. You can catch his SoundCloud and search Hello Harry. The song is Forever. And then the previous two songs, you know, our buddy Daniel Che, who is now part of the Run River North band, and he was on our episode about, I think, episode 134 or so. He and his old band, the Nehemiah Band, did our previous songs, Let Love and Hey. So those are all the artists. Thank you, F. Galton, for that review. Thank you, Coach Luke, and welcome back to the show, and goodbye. My pleasure, guys. Cool. All right, before we get into my interview with Josh Riddell, I just wanted to go through some quick Lakers news. Um, So the Paul George update right now, 
clearly nothing's happened. We've gotten rumors that there have been three-way discussions with Cleveland Nuggets and Indiana, obviously, about Paul George going to the Cavs and um, Kevin Love going to uh, the Nuggets. And it just it just doesn't seem like this Paul George thing is happening. And I think right now the rumors that are swirling and Tommy actually did his homework. Tommy is an insider on Lakers ground forums. And apparently there's a, a thread out there that talks about Pacers forums. And some of, some of the Pacers forums obviously have their own inside sources, quote unquote, inside sources who are saying that they understand the sentiment of what's going on in Pacers land. And I mean, some of it is actually corroborated with, with what's been out in the news. And I mean, basically the basic gist of it is... Kevin Pritchard is pretty butthurt about what Paul George did. And even though we've talked about, well, don't we think that Paul George has done them a favor by letting them know? In a sense, he has. But at the same time, Paul George also flip-flopped his sentiments pretty quickly because literally the day before he had his agent, Aaron Mintz, tell KP, hey, look, Paul George wants out. He's only going to stay this next season and he's going to go to the Lakers. Literally the day before that, apparently Paul George was in contact with KP and the rest of the front office and told them, hey, I want to stay in Indiana. I, I want to win in- and contend in Indiana, etc., etc." So in a sense, Paul George almost gave Kevin Pritchard like this false hope for the last month and a half since the season ended and all of a sudden he flip-flops on one weekend right so I think that's really what rubbed Pritchard the wrong way just the fact that how did this all of a sudden come about out of nowhere right yeah he kept saying the word or the phrase gut punch yeah like 10 times apparently so yeah definitely uh didn't see that one coming. Got Sounds like he got blindsided. No, he definitely got blindsided. And I think it's understandable, right? How, how can your sentiment shift so quickly? Because in Pritchard's eyes, look, that's great. You're being transparent now, but it would have been even better if you had just told me that the multiple times after the season when we talked to each other. You know what I mean? So in that sense, I totally get it. And at this point, I think Kevin Pritchard's even, you know, surmising that there may be some tampering involved because of the way that his sentiments switched and flip-flopped so quickly. So given that, I do not think a Paul George trade to the Lakers deal is happening at all because Pritchard is so it's a pride issue at this point right one he doesn't want to grant Paul George's wish two he hates the Lakers and maybe even suspects some tampering involved for that to happen and for Paul George and his agent to all of a sudden have an about face and leak that to the public and so yeah guys um, this Paul George trade is not going to happen a Paul George trade is going to happen, but it's not going to be to the Lakers at this point. And even if the deal is a lesser deal than maybe what the Lakers are offering, Pritchard would probably just ship Paul George off to that other team, you know, out of spite. So yeah, Alan, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's understandable, but it's obviously not a smart move for the sake of his organization. You know, at the same time, if it's like a one to 3% difference in quality of trade, as far as the assets you're getting back, he may think, um, you know, it's worth biting that bullet, so to speak. Uh, in an ideal world, Pritchard would be able to compartmentalize what happened with Paul George, potentially what happened with us and all that, and just do what's best for the organization. But if he really wants to stick it to as many parties involved um, that aren't the Pacers, then I guess that's his prerogative. Uh, sucks for us, sucks for Paul George, and actually sucks for the Pacers, too. Yeah, Indeed, and I think, obviously, we've talked about this before in a prior episode about how this will look bad on their organization as a whole, that they're sticklers, and they're pretty much, what's it called, keeping Paul George in this arrested state. They're, like, holding him captive. Yeah, exactly. And so it doesn't look good because if they have, like, other agents, and they're going to think about this for their clients, like, uh uh-oh, if you're in a situation where you want out, 
he'll take it personally and won't necessarily grant your wishes or, you know, try to come to a happy medium. And, and so, yeah, I think this is where we stand and obviously trades and with other teams are subjective, but I think he has been asking for too high of a price. And right now it's, it's literally my gut feeling is it's not going to happen with the Lakers and Kevin Pritchard would be smart at this point to just wait till free agency to see which teams make some moves because then, you know, the air will clear out a little bit more for all of these different teams and teams can assess whether or not they want to take the risk better once they've either, you know, struck out in free agency or made some moves and realized, Hey, we got this big guy, you know, for the Celtics, it would be, Hey, we got Gordon Hayward. Let's, take the risk and trade for Paul George now. You know what I mean? So it would make sense that he waits till free agency starts or even a week or two into free agency to see which teams are willing to adjust their packages right now. Because I do believe there are other packages, even though we haven't heard details. I do believe there are other packages because Pritchard has said, I can pull the trigger whenever I want to, but it's in my best interest to just wait to see if any of these packages improve, right? So Right, right. Those are fair points for sure, but... I don't know. You got to think the longer this is drawn out, you know, the worse things are going to be for them. Um, But like you said earlier, the odds of the Lakers actually landing him in a trade at this point are quite slim. Yep. But you know what? Hashtag cap space better. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So other than that, you know, D'Angelo Russell had his presser at Brooklyn. I don't know if you're able to see any pictures or hear anything from his end, but you know, obviously he was he was well coached by his PR guys and his agent, but you know he was very. I mean, he didn't say anything incendiary, that's for sure. Because someone actually no. asked him, "Hey, Magic said this. Are you going to hold anything against him?" And he was like, "You know what? I I don't. That was the past. We're moving on, and I don't need to prove anything to the Lakers. You know, I, this is about me, myself, and my family, and proving that I want to be better for that. You know, it's not about out of spite proving myself to the Lakers. And it's no, a very you know mature answer. And this is a small thing, but D'Angelo dressed up to this presser when most guys will just dress in a polo and stuff like that. So. Yeah, they might wear like a sweatsuit or something like that, but. No, he definitely uh, presented himself well. For sure. And it might be a good, this is like a good turning page for D'Angelo Russell, where where obviously he was immature and all this stuff, but it seems like he's going to take a different approach to this, be more professional and and mature about it. And yeah, I'm encouraged by it. Even, you know, seeing those workout videos of him in the Brooklyn gym, like late at night, I think Brooklyn fans are going to be very happy and I'm going to be rooting, rooting D'Angelo Russell on for sure. And Alan, I don't know what you have to say about this, but I think there's a certain section of our listeners who have come into our mentions and we even got called out on Reddit for some reason saying like, oh, you guys need to get over the D'Angelo Russell thing. You know, are you guys even Lakers fans? And for me, I'm like, Yo, it's not mutually exclusive at this point. You guys, I mean, especially because our podcast in particular for the last two years when D'Angelo Russell was getting thrown under the bus by his own coaches, by the outside media, we were the main source for Lakers fans to vent to, you know? We were a venting ground for for all of our listeners to, you know, contextualize D'Angelo Russell as a good player, contextualize what he was going through, et cetera, et cetera. So forgive us for being down about this trade and, you know, wishing he was still on the team and, you know, still tweeting stuff out about where he is now, you know, like for me, it's, that's, that's why I'm like, look, it hasn't even been a week since the trade has happened for people to jump in my mentions and say, Oh, get over it. 
what do you what do you mean get over it you know like that's a that's yeah, a player right. we followed for the last two years and invested ourselves in and for you me and tommy we actually followed him in ohio state way before he was a laker which is why right. which is why we were able to contextualize this stuff so i guess what would you say to those fans who are like are you guys even lakers fans get over it <laughs> well i don't really understand that comment like what about us being dissatisfied with this trade would make us you know, anti-Lakers, right? Like, clearly we care about the team and how well they do, which is why we got so upset about it in the first place. Uh, We can understand both sides of the coin, for sure. I think we're able to step out of our own shoes and look at the other party's point of view, but we simply have a difference of opinion at this point. And um, for us to be told, you know, you should back down, essentially, from your point of view after one week... um, I don't know, because we believe so strongly, and it's just really hard to do that. So, if anything, what it's going to take for us to forget about this is just a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have to let Summer League and preseason and all that stuff roll through. And, um, you know, maybe by the start of the regular season, we won't be thinking about it every day. But I tell you, when we play Brooklyn for that first time, it's probably all going to flood back. Exactly. Honestly, we're like, oh, like, and you know D'Angelo is going to come out and ball out. You know what I mean? Like, he's that type of guy that... I think we'll step up in that moment and we're all going to have that seller's remorse type of feeling. Um, So, you know, we're not going to (laughs) apologize for kind of like lingering on this uh, thing that happened and we are human and um, you know, it is what it is, but Thanks for listening anyway. <laughs> no, and we've assessed all the angles. You know, we know the the benefits and the reasons why they did this deal, even bringing up the Charlotte-Brooklyn trade that could have happened in place of this and thus leaving us with one less team to trade that huge Mozgov deal into. We've assessed all of that. G- even given that, though, we're still disappointed because we could have a tangible D'Angelo Russell right now. And instead, okay, maybe we have a six-month rental of Brooke Lopez and Kyle Kuzma, but that's not even a real thing because Kyle Kuzma we could have gotten with our own pick or even in the second round, you know? So, and right now it's still all about, again, hashtag save the cap space, hashtag cap space better. So until we have an actual tangible replacement to look at, I mean, this is kind of how it's going to be, right? We're always going to look to the other side and be like, man, that guy could have been with Lonzo Ball. That's not to say we're not going to get excited for the rest of the team and it's going to, you know, overwhelm our timelines, this D'Angelo Russell stuff. It's not, but it hasn't even been a week, right? That's my thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, like, you know, and if you're a listener who is worried that we're going to labor on this point until... um, the preseason and all that, like, we're, we're not going to do that. There are going to be other things to talk about. Um, so you don't have to worry about us being Debbie Downers for the next two months or whatever. But, you know, again, it might come up just because uh, it's it's a pretty big deal, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, give us some license to grieve. You know, there's a grieving process. We, Like I said before, we were for two years, you know, holding up the D'Angelo Russell mantle for all these frustrated fans who were like, I don't get why the media doesn't see this kid as being good. I don't get why some of the fans don't see him as good. I don't get why Mike Sports LA continues to say stupid-ass shit. You know, like, we we held that mantle, so at least give <laughs> us some, you know, allowance and expense to do this. So that's all I have to to say um with that said i think we can turn it over now to something positive which is 
our draft this past week, and you guys will really like what Josh Rudolph, Draft Express, has to say about some of our prospects, because he grades out each of our picks and then has a grade for us overall, so definitely check that out. And then after the turn, I'll also ask Alan on his viewpoints and opinions on some of these guys, because he was able to take a, a deeper delve into some of their tape as well. So catch us on the turn with Draft Express's Josh Riddell. Yeah, he has all the skill set, and uh, it helps that he's 6'10", 6'11". And um, if you see what he did last year, you know, he was killing, especially at the end of the season. So I know he's only going to get better, and I'm looking forward to playing with him for sure. All right, so we are here today with Draft Express's Josh Riddell. Uh, Josh, how are you doing? And if you want to introduce yourself and also what exactly you do at Draft Express, I'm sure it's self-explanatory. But if you want to go into detail and if you want to plug anything you're doing right now or your social media handles, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, Josh Riddell, Draft Express. I uh, I do more of the written reports over there. Um, you know, I'll be doing some of the preseason stuff coming up in a couple months. Um, anywhere, you know, anyone from the from the ACC down on to the mid-major conferences. I've been doing it. This will be my fifth season coming up, I think. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Joshua underscore Riddell. Awesome. Cool. Okay, so I thought we could start and just do some Lakers-centric stuff first, and then at the end, we could go more general if we have time. And I wanted to ask you, just so we have a litmus test of how you're grading things out, I guess, give me one team who you thought did really well in this draft, who you could consider got an A grade, and then another team who you thought was below average and got like a C or so. Yeah, I thought the Kings did really well. Um, I like their pick at number five with the De'Aaron Fox. I think he's he can be the point guard uh, who can kind of lead the rebuild. Um, he he could, you know, I think that Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball are clearly above them, but he can be out of that next group kind of with him and Dennis Smith and uh, Frank Tilakina. He can be like the best point guard prospect of that group. Um, and then at 10, I would have been fine if they just would have taken, you know, Malik Monk or, right. or Donovan Mitchell, but to, to trade down and get to – uh, extra picks and what I thought was a deep draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really nice. Um, they got Justin Jackson from UNC, who who to me doesn't have a very uh, high ceiling, but he has a decent floor where I think he's going to be a guy who can come off the bench uh, for you know ten minutes or so and just be like a small forward, um, kind of like your bench uh, guy um, who who's just going to be you know not a not a superstar, not a not an all star, but you know just a pro. For like ten years or so, right. um, and they got a nice lottery. A lottery taking Harry Giles. Um, we don't know if he's ever going to return uh, to what he was before his, you know, his knee injuries. But you know, if you if he comes back to what he was, at, I think it was the the 2015 or 2016 U19s. Um, then you know that's a nice guy who's going to fill out your front court. You can play him along Scal um, or Willie Cauley Stein. Um, and then you know, yeah, just to wrap that part up, they just they the they just you know, they just swinging for the. They're just like trying to cast a wide net. You know, it's the Kings. They gotta try to like hit on one of these, one or two of these guys. So like, they just stockpile guys um, over the last couple couple drafts. Kind of like, hopefully they can hit on one or two who can uh, lead the franchise. And then a team that a team I didn't think did that well uh, was the Bulls. Not only for the Butler <laughs> trade, but just picking Larry Markin in that right. spot. You know, the Butler trade was bad, but then they could have salvaged it by taking Malik Monk or, or Donovan Mitchell, who I both thought. Or, or have higher ceilings than Larry Markkinen. And, you know, looking at their roster, um, you know, Markkinen isn't really what they need, you know, in terms of 
I mean, he, he'll provide shooting, which is nice, but they have some guys. You know, we don't know what they're going to do with, like, Nikola Miotic or Bobby Portis or players like that. But, you know, to pick another big like that, I just thought it was kind of confusing. So, so I, I thought most of the teams did well, though just the Bulls, I'm not quite sure what they were doing. But I think everyone said that by now. So Yeah, I mean, I think Larry Markinen pretty much is, like, a longer, taller version of Nikola Miotic, who doesn't really – he doesn't really play any defense, right? I mean, he can shoot the lights out, but – I, yeah, I thought it was a strange pick as well, and it's unfortunate that I don't know how what you think of Chris Dunn, but it seems like they're going to peg him as their point guard of the future, which I'm not sure that's a smart thing to do. And because of that, you know, e- even Dennis Smith Jr. at that spot would have made a little more sense, but because they, I guess, traded for Chris Dunn, I guess that disallowed them from doing so, which I'm not sure is the right mindset to take. So yeah, I thought it was a was an interesting choice to say the least, but uh. Yeah. Yeah, the whole trade for the Bulls really didn't make sense. You, you know, you gotta you have to commit to Zach Levine, who's gonna be a restricted free agent, you know, this year. He might only play half the season coming off his ACL injury. And then you you, you you take Chris Dunn, who you know, I had him highly rated last year, mm-hmm. but he also had one of the worst rookie seasons for a point guard like of all time, basically. So sure. you have to wonder if he's gonna be good or not. But you know, I think that Baloo was worth a lot more than you know, it's gonna look back and you're gonna say Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton for, you know, who are these guys? You know, that's definitely <laughs> a possibility that that could happen in, you know, five or 10 years. Totally. The fact that they didn't even give up a future first rounder in another year is insane to me. And then also, obviously, everybody's been beating it over the head pretty much that they had to give up the 16th pick is ridiculous. But we can move on from the Bulls and go straight to the Lakers now that we have a high end of the spectrum and low end of the spectrum for you. And I thought we could just go down the list of the prospects that the Lakers took. Obviously, Lonzo Ball, I mean... We don't have to go too much into Lonzo Ball because everybody knows at this point how good he is. But I guess from your perspective, where did you have him on your big board? And what do you think of Lonzo Ball as the pick and his fit with the Lakers? Yeah, I had him the second-ranked prospect behind Fultz. Um, so I think it was, you know, to me it was automatic home run pick, you know, being a, being an L.A. guy. You know, there was definitely some posture in pre-draft that they were going to go somewhere else. But I always thought that that was just a smokescreen. I think they, they were always going to go Lonzo Ball. And... You know, I don't know. Maybe after this, you can, or after I finish, you can kind of talk to what your expectations are for him mm-hmm. as a rookie. But um, to me, I don't, I don't expect a whole lot from him scoring wise. Yeah. You know, I think he had 16 points this year. You know, I just looked up for comparison's sake. You know, not to directly compare him to to Steve Nash, but just to see kind of what Steve Nash averaged throughout his his career. And he was kind of, you know, hovering at, at his career highs around 18 or so. I think that would even be a stretch for Lonzo. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, maybe, especially this year and maybe even down the line too, but you know, he's just going to make Brandon Ingram a lot better. He's going to make even Brooke Lopez a lot better, assuming that they keep him, which I think they will. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make Julius Randle a lot better. Like he's just going to make these guys a lot better. Like you saw UCLA, you know, I mean, he, he made TJ Leaf uh, <laughs> a first rounder who I don't think a whole lot of people has a first rounder. And you just, I mean, he just puts guys in spots where, you know, they're just going to be able to get easy buckets and, you know, that's going to be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the rest of the team around him. Awesome. And how do you think his three-point shot is going to translate? I think the Lakers are going to play pretty fast. So I think at the very least, he'll average probably 10 points in his first year uh, just because of the pace and the tempo. And so obviously he's great in transition, so that should help him out. And then also, you know, if his three-point shot translates in the way that it did in college where he was essentially hitting three point uh, NBA three level three pointers and, and, and beyond, I think he should average at least 10 points and then, you know, maybe five, six assists or so. But yeah, how do you, how do you think his shots going to translate in the NBA? Yeah, I think it'll be fine. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think 
he's gonna he's he's not gonna want to and he's not gonna need to like force contested three pointers. Mm-hmm. Which I think will help his percentage. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, once we get, you know, a half season or a full season worth of data to see what his numbers look like, you know, contested versus uncontested. I think, you know, he'll probably struggle to shoot when he's contested just because, you know, his mechanics are so wonky, you know, that it's going to be harder to, to get his shot off against NBA closeouts. Like, whenever he was in college, he would just step back farther and farther. Mm-hmm. And now that the NBA line is extended, I think defenses are just going to extend out to him if he if it gets hot. So I think – but I think it will be fine. I think it will be passable. I've seen – I don't know if you saw – any of these videos, but I've seen a couple of workout videos tweeted out. You know, his shot looks a little bit cleaner, but, you know, take that with a grain of salt, it being a workout. But, um, you know, if he can even clean it up just a little bit just to get it off a little bit faster, you know, he'll be fine. Yeah, if he can show improvement in that no man's land area and off the pick and roll, that should really help him out. Um, so is it fair to say that we're giving the Lakers an A for the number two pick? For sure, yeah. Okay. I think that, you know, once they got the number two, you know, like LeVar said, one of my, it would be one of my favorite quotes of all time. Just that he's, he's spoken into existence. Yep. You know, there's always going to be Lonzo. And, you know, once they picked it, it's, it's, a, it's a clear A. Cool. Okay, so let's move on to the number 27th pick. So at the beginning of the night, the Lakers had number 27 from Brooklyn and their own number 28 pick. Um, at number 27, they picked Kyle Kuzma out of Utah. He's a junior, averaged six po- 16 points, nine rebounds, 2.4 assists. Uh, when this selection initially happened i was like who what happened there's still you know semi ojale is still on the board um Derek white still on the board Jawan evans icon ibogu guys like those and so i was a little confused at the start and you know the more i've gotten to watch this guy the more i've kind of understood the lakers thinking and i i think a lot of people are calling this somewhat of a reach and it, it might be so especially considering it's guaranteed money, obviously. But, you know, I think the Lakers have shown throughout the years when they really like a guy, they don't like to get cute with it and think like, oh, maybe this guy's going to fall to the second round and we can, you know, buy a pick there and we can take him then. If they really like a guy, they're going to take him in that like later first round. And that's been evident through, you know, when they pick Larry Nance Jr. And everybody was like, whoa, what are they doing? They could have gotten this guy at 34 or 32, you know, because they had another second round pick that year, which they use on Anthony Brown. But it ended up turning out to be a steal of a pick there. And so I kind of trust their judgment in this case. And even though it may be considered a reach, I think Kyle Kuzma presents some versatility and skills that I think you know, really fit the modern NBA in terms of being able to handle the rock in transition. Obviously, he's a great rebounder. And then, you know, his adept passing skills, he's not like Julius Randle, where he, you know, dribble over dribbles the hell out of the ball and then will make risky passes. It seems like he just has a very high basketball IQ and just makes the makes good reads. Um, and, and hopefully his playmaking will continue to develop in the NBA. But on top of that, just his handles in transition is really good. He's not that explosive, but he does have some very nifty finishes in the lane and he's able to contort his body. And he's pretty agile when he, you know, he's trying to make those finishes, has a lot of weird reverse layups and, and stuff like that, which, you know, I think Julius Randle at this stage still has trouble learning how to finish uh, inside. So that's what I like about Kyle Kuzma. And then obviously I think his shot is going to translate and get better. He needs to improve, I think, the proficiency of his shot. But mechanically, it looks very sound and very fluid. And he was taking some NBA level three-point shots, you know, this past junior year. And I think through the last 10 games of his college season, he shot 40% from three. Um, so I've 
the more I've dug deeper into his tape, the more I've been impressed and more thinking that this could be a guy who, if the Lakers decide to trade Julius Randle for Paul George or something like that, or even not extend him past his rookie contract, Kyle Kuzma could be a very you know, adequate replacement for him. So I guess what are your thoughts on that number 27 pick and what can you tell me about Kyle Kuzma? Yeah, I thought Kuzma was a bit of a reach just for me personally, mm-hmm. but I mean, I didn't have him that highly rated and I didn't have him as a first round draft pick, but I did kind of think that a team, like you said, would take a chance on him in the first round just because of everything you said. Um, you know, to me, he's more of just a body right now, but you know, if he, if his skills ever come around, then he's going to end up being a really nice wing player, which I think is worth a gamble at, at 27. Um, like you said, his shot is, to me, you know, it looks okay, but you know, he did shoot 30% for his career over three seasons at Utah, which, you know, is definitely, is, is a little bit concerning to me. That's why I, you know, I wasn't quite sure if he would ever put it all together, like on the floor, if he just like looks like a good shooter, but can't get the results. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to me, he's a guy, you know, he can, he'll probably play, you know, he'll probably play a little bit in the G League. You know, he needs to figure out his shot. He needs to get that from the NBA range. He's, he needs to figure out defense too. Um, you know, to, I mean, to me, he just kind of screams like a three and D prospect that right now doesn't really have the three or the D down, but you know, he can get there, um, in time. Um, like you said, you know, he looks like if you, if you wanted to build like an NBA, like for, for right now, you probably will look at Kyle Guzman and say like, that's the kind of guy I want him to look like. So, you know, he definitely has, he definitely has like what you need athletically and physically, but you know, the skills weren't there yet. So. I think he'll, he'll need to start off in the G League, but, you know, this is definitely a longer-term play. But, um, you know, like you said, the Lakers probably wanted to take a chance on him. You know, they, they didn't like who else was there. I know you mentioned some guys, you know, semi-Ojale. Like, a lot of players like that I probably had higher, higher ranked. Mm-hmm. But I can see why they wanted to go to that, you know, table player at, at that spot. Cool. Okay, so I guess what would you give that grade, considering you, you kind of see it as a reach? Yeah, no, I think it's fine. You know, like I said, me personally, I didn't have him that highly ranked, but I, I thought that he would go 25 through 30. You know, it's very, you know, a good team try to hope and they, they can develop him uh, in the G League, kind of keep him under contract for a couple of years. You know, that way you have all the all the development um, time and then you get to kind of benefit from that a couple of years down the line. I mean, it's. Just, I mean, to me, it's a. It's a fine pick. You know, it's. It's not. It might not be a home run, but you know, if I had to, if I had to give a letter grade, I'd probably say, no, it's a. It's a solid B. Like I didn't. I didn't see anything wrong with it. So okay, cool. Um, if there was any, I guess, player in the NBA who you'd kind of see, if you could squint your eyes really hard, and and he improves his shot and everything, is there a certain comp that you have in mind for a guy like Kyle Kuzma? Yeah, I'm trying to just think. Um, you know. You're not going to hit on any of the big names. You know, I think it's someone like off the bat, like a Mike Muscala, okay. you know, a big like that. Um, you know, Mike Muscala, like when he's like, like when he's good, you know, he, I think, you know, he's not, Mike Muscala is not a guy who like is going to jump off the page at you, but he's going to give you, you know, 10 minutes per game for a good team. Right. You know, he, he's going to, he's going to provide you like positive impact when he's on the floor, something like that. What about this? Uh, slightly less athletic Josh McRoberts. Does that make sense? He yeah, can I mean, kind of do think, everything. He's certainly bigger than McRoberts, but if you want to look at like the player type, you can. I do. I probably am just like trying to trying to uh, box him in as a three and D guy. But you know, he does rebound a lot. He can, you know, pass off the move a lot. So I am kind of like 
kind of pushing those skills aside like that. I'm not giving enough, not giving him enough credit for that. You know, once he gets on the floor, you know, there's you know another guy who I just thought of, like you know if he gets in if the Lakers develop him right, you know, look at what James Johnson does with the Heat. You know, mm, interesting. Um, you know, I when I I mean I I went to Wake Forest, so I saw James Johnson when he was in college. I know if you would have said. James Johnson would have been doing what he's been do- did this season with the Heat. I would have said there's no way. Like, <laughs> so you know, you get a team now who who can give who who puts Kyle Kuzma in that spot, and you know he's running a couple pick and rolls a game. You know he's he's playmaking from the wing. He's you know maybe he's shooting you know not forty percent, but he's shooting 36 percent, and you know he's rebounding. He's doing all those little things that a team needs to help to help the team win. Ultimate, awesome. Uh, my last question. Ultimate, ultimately, do you see him as a, a wing player, like a, a at the small forward spot, or as a stretch four type guy? Yeah, he's like a he's like a, a power forward to me. I don't think that right. he's he's quick enough. I think he played that at Utah a lot too. Like, you know, play, you need to play him alongside like you know a big man who can protect the rim. I don't think he'll he'll ever be you know even a five in a small lineup, but he'll be like a good power forward, like a solid power forward. I think. Awesome. Cool. So B grade for the number 27th pick. And then obviously number 28, the Lakers traded for picks 30 and 42. So what are your thoughts at number 30 on Josh Hart? Initially, I wanted Derek White at the 27. And even though we got Josh Hart, I was like, it would have been cool to get both ball handlers because presumably the Lakers are going to trade away Jordan Clarkson. But, you know, they may have seen the two as slightly redundant because they're both combo guards and they may have set their eyes on, you know, at 30, we're either going to get Derek White or Josh Hart and we're fine with either one. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Josh Hart? Yeah, I like Josh Hart, you know, for you guy from Villanova. Uh, you know, I don't get to I don't get to watch every Lakers every Lakers game, but from what I see of Jordan Clarkson, um, he kind of does remind me of Josh Hart. Except Josh Hart, you know, I think is is significantly better defensively, which I think you know will will help him uh, help him break into the Lakers rotation. You know, he's a guy who he's not going to be like an elite level ball handler, an elite level creator, but he'll be able to be like a secondary guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you you play him alongside like a a ball or whoever you sign as as your backup point guard you know he's a guy who who can play on or off the ball you know he can shoot he'll, he can defend both backup positions you know he's a he's a four-year guy from Villanova who just won he, I mean he won so much that you know you kind of expect him to keep making a positive impact in the NBA once he gets there what do you think about his shot? Do you think he's going to become a pure shooter in the NBA? I know his senior season, he hit two threes a game and shot 40% from three. Do you believe in that stroke of his? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's definitely one of his his more marketable skills. But I think, you know, it's not going to be his only skill. Um, I do think he has enough, you know, off the dribble game where he's not going to, like, break someone down in traffic. But he's going to be able to you know, attack a seam or, or, or come off a pick and roll and, you know, make the right decision. Um, and then, you know, if he plays alongside, you know, a point guard, whoever that is, you know, he's going to be able to just spot up and, and shoot if, if he needs to. Right. I think the one thing that impressed me about Josh Hart was just his scrappiness. It seems like he's a hustle hard type of guy that always goes after loose balls and just has that frenetic sort of energy. And then on offense, it just seems like he's a very high basketball IQ sound player that's not going to be too erratic or anything like that. So I think having a secondary ball handler like that next to ball will really help. And then obviously... You know, his shooting being able to translate will help Ball because he can just play off Ball and hit hit those wide open three point shots that that Lonzo will pass to him. Uh, I guess 
is there a certain type of player in the NBA that you you also have a comp for for Josh Hart for? I think initially I also like his driving ability. It seems, you know, he's six five and he has a sturdy kind of body and he's he's not athletic by any means, but it seems like he can really uh take contact and make uh, you know, finishes even even through contact. So I like that part about him. I don't know if this is too much of a reach, but I know on some dra- draft boards or draft other sites, like the comp is like Keith Bogans, which is like, oh, he's just a solid off ball guy who can kinda dribble the ball. I guess my super high pie in the sky uh comp would also be like, I don't know, just like a poor man's version of George. George Hill because he's just solid and he he's not necessarily a primary creator but he can shoot the ball and if need be uh initiate a pick and roll uh in crunch situations what do you think yeah I was thinking like Wes Matthews maybe you know I think Wes Matthews is like I mean Wes Matthews to me is like a really good defender um I don't know if Josh Howard will get to that level but you know a guy who you know he's not going to make a ton of flashy plays but you look at his net rating or his plus minus you know at the end of games at the end of a month and you're like, wow, that guy like really helps our team like get build a lead. Um, so I think you know he's just going to be a guy who's just like you said, he's going to make the right plays. He's going to he's going to limit his turnovers. He's not going to he's not going to you know try to step outside his bounds. I think he knows what his limits are, um, and I think he's just going to you know you know under Jay Wright at Villanova, like he just did whatever you know coach asked him to. You know even when you know they brought in some different talent to when he was like a junior and senior, like he just like kept doing his thing, didn't try to, like, add too much, just kept playing within the flow of the team. So I think he'll keep doing that the Lakers, and I think he's just going to be able to, you know, fit into to what they're trying to do. Awesome. Okay, so what what grade would you give this pick? Yeah, I had him a little bit higher than where he went. I think I had him, like, 23rd or around the 20 range. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, to me, you know, to get a guy like that late in the first round, I know why he went that low. You know, he's a he's a senior you know his his ceiling might not his ceiling might not be that high compared to some other guys, but to me, you know that's an a pick. Awesome. Um, I think he's going to be a guy who, like we like we say, he's going to accept his role. You know, fit into an NBA roster, kind of seamlessly, be able to do a lot of things that you know teams want him to in the backcourt can kind of play either position. You know, that's a guy who is kind of valuable in today's NBA. Sure. I guess uh, what my last question on Josh Hart is: if you're comparing him to other point guards that I guess, or I guess combo guards that were in this slot. I guess, how would you compare him to Jawan Evans, who I guess is more a traditional point, a tra- traditional scoring point guard? And do you think Jawan Evans may have like a slightly higher upside, but is a little more, you know, I don't know, risky or erratic a pick? Yeah, they're a little bit different to me. Uh, you can, to me, the, the better comparison is like the guy who went right after him, which is Frank Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jackson's kind of like the similar, he's a little bit more of a guy who needs to be a little bit more ball dominant, but you know, they're both guys who can play on or off the ball. You know, I think I'd rather have Josh Hart because, you know, a lot of those a lot of these guys who are going late, you know, they have concerns, you know, defensively most of them. You know, Frank Jackson, who wasn't the best defender uh, at Duke, he tried to do a little bit too much uh on the ball. He wasn't really comfortable kind of creating uh at, and granted he was a freshman, that's kinda of why, you know, he did went just as high as Josh Hart because we don't know what he can do on the ball yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Juwan Evans, I mean, he's like, he's 5'11", you know, right. he's ever going to be able to defend. And he's a guy I was high on too. I think I had him top 15 mm. because he can, you know, he's a guy who can come in and, and get going downhill, you know, on the, on the ball from day one. But, you know, for the Lakers, you know, I don't think they needed Juwan Evans just because, you know, they went Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is a guy who needs the ball. Right. And so Juwan Evans is the same kind of guy too. I think Juwan Evans is probably... You know, a backup point guard in every situation, but I don't think that 
you know, after taking Lonzo Ball, that they really needed to take another another point guard in Evans. So I think Josh Howard's a nice pick for them. You know, he, if if he gets to the right level, you know, he can play alongside Lonzo Ball. I don't think mm-hmm. that, you know, him or Juwan Evans ever could have done that. Um, and I do think that he, you know, I think he he is a better prospect than, than Frank Jackson, even though, you know, he's a couple years older. I do like, you know, his profile on both ends over what Jackson can bring offensively. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So the Lakers last pick at 42, they picked the center out of, is it Indiana? Indiana, yeah. Yeah. Um, Thomas Bryant. So I believe he's six nine, six ten. but you know, the thing that stands out about him is his seven, six wingspan. For me, initially when I started watching him, um, his mobility looked kind of sketch and he kind of looked a bit loafing. He wasn't as athletic as I wanted him to be, but I think the the thing that attracted me to him was it seems like his jump shot is a legitimate thing and that it can translate to the NBA. Whether or not he can translate that out to the three-point arc is a question, but it just seems like a very fluid-looking shot, especially at the center position. And then obviously, you know, I've heard he has to work on his defense, but one would hope that with that 7-6 wingspan, he could be a, you know, weak side shot blocker at the very least. Um, But yeah, my, my biggest concern with him is just his mobility and his ability to move his feet. I don't know if he'll ever be a guy that can potentially guard pick and rolls but i do like the versatility and the potential to have a a stretch five sort of guy so what are your thoughts on thomas bryant yeah you know i'm not the biggest fan of him as a prospect but you know where they picked him up you know it's it's a fine it's a fine you know swing like you said i think you hit on on everything i was going to say you know the positives are you know he's a nice offensive player uh, he can rebound a little bit. Uh, he can, like you said, he can shoot. Uh, he can play inside out. Um, you know, but there's definitely there's definitely concerns about you know his athleticism and his mobility. You know, I saw him, I saw him live. I think you know twice over the past, at least twice over the past two years. And you know, he just looks a step slow defensively, no matter where he is on mm-hmm. the court. You know, um, and you know in today's NBA, you know once you're a step slow on defense, you're gonna get roasted every single time. You know, we saw that with Ennis Cantor uh, in the playoffs. Like, no matter how good you are offensively, if you can't, you know, defend a ball screen, then you're not, you're basically not playable in, in a big moment. Um, so I think, you know, he to me, he's just a guy who's just going to be, you know, a G League guy for, you know, most of his career. And I think, I do think he's going to put up stats in the G League. You, like, you're going to look at a box score and be like, oh, Thomas Bryant had another, like, 15 and 15 and 8 or another 18 and 9 like, why don't we call him up and see what he can do and then you, you, they're going to call him up for like a 10 day and you're gonna be like man this guy cannot <laughs> compete athletically with the guys in the, yeah in the um but you know at what what i forget what pick was he again 42 42 yeah so like looking at the guys around him you know you know maybe you could have gone like you know sterling brown i think would have been a nice pick it, you know those guys like Sterling Brown, Sundari, Stonewell, E.K. and Iboga, like any of those guys that went after him, like I probably could have made the argument that the Lakers could have gone with him, either of those guys over Bryant. But, mm-hmm. you know, NBA teams are looking for a guy who's big and who can shoot, you know. So if they want to take a chance on Bryant and, you know, maybe try to get him into, into you know, P3, you know, training facility and try to, like, loosen up his feet, try to quicken his uh, quicken his lateral agility, you know, maybe that's, you know, someone who, you know, surprises us down the line if he, if he, if he can get, 
into those into those types of programs and kind of improve his, his athleticism. For sure. I think the thing that probably drew them to him was his 7-6 wingspan. If they can improve his agility and athleticism, then that should come in to that should be handy for them, especially because I think I read something like only eight other players in the NBA have a larger wingspan than him. Um, so that's that's pretty impressive. It, it's just about whether he's able to actually utilize that in an effective manner in the NBA. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. so that's pretty much it for the Lakers, I guess, in terms of the draft in general. What what grade would you give them? Like an A, A minus or so for the yeah, I think Yeah, I, I think it's an A or, or you know, at, at worst an A minus. You know, they, they hit, you know, who they needed to for me at number two with Lonzo Ball. Um, they picked up, you know, a solid, you know, potential guy in Kyle Kuzma, got another guy who I really like in Josh Hart. And then, you know, Thomas Bryant, like I said, not the biggest fan of his, but, you know, at 42, you're not really hope, you're not really banking on a whole lot. So it's a nice guy who can, who can go down there, maybe, you know, get some buckets in the G League, build some confidence and, you know, down the line, you know, maybe he'll turn into something. If not, you know, he's a, he's a, he seems to be, you know, a decent guy who's going to give you some organizational depth, you know, hopefully build your, your G League team, you know, be a a, a mainstay down there to to help the uh, the other guys who come down. Yeah, and I think Thomas Bryant was definitely um, one of their more upside swing picks just because he's also only 19. So that helps out. You know, if he was like a 22-year-old prospect, it's like, what are we doing? But the fact that he's only 19 is good. Yeah, he's he's the first pick in in your draft. So, you know, there's no way you're going to hit on all four anyway. So it's 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 a fine pick in my mind, even though he wasn't the highest rated guy on my board. Cool. Okay, so that's encouraging. Um, outside of that, the Lakers also signed undrafted free agent PJ Dozier. Um, I know he has some health concerns, and he's obviously very raw, but he is another tall sort of guard with pretty good length. And maybe the Lakers are looking at him as, you know, another one of these three and D type players. I guess. What 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 have you seen from PJ Dozier, and can you tell me a little bit more about him? Yeah, I think you know. To me, Dozier has a has a lot. Uh, more upside than you know Thomas Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he was a freshman. I think he's like six six with a pretty uh, with pretty good length, and you know he's athletic. You know he he was one of the key guys who helped South Carolina South Carolina to the Final Four. Now I was surprised he went undrafted, but I, I think you know some medical stuff came out after the fact that a lot of teams kind of you know red flagged him. That's kind of why he went undrafted. I mean he was bad you know offensively. You know he was just really inefficient. I think. You know, his true shooting percentage was below 50%. Um, so, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, you just struggle to get drafted just because, you know, if you can't be efficient in college, you know, it's kind of – it's a it's a long way from being sure. efficient in, in the NBA, you know. I look I, I look at a guy like DeJounte Murray uh, at Washington last year, and then he went, you know, I think 28 or 29 to the Spurs. And he had a decent rookie year. You know, they, they're kind of similar built athletically kind of play a similar style um so if pj dojo can kind of become Dejounte murray where you know he uses his fluidity on the court uses uses his athleticism uh kind of a a a point guard but not a guy who's going to create or initiate offense kind of needs to needs to have the ball in his hands but kind of you know isn't going to be the the best creator um offensively um you know can do some things off the ball, but not a guy yet who can really shoot. Uh, but, you know, he can cut. He seems to be able to cut into space, um, cut off ball, run the flow and transition. And he's a guy who, who might be able to go, you know, for positions uh, once he once he gets older. So, you know, it's a nice sign for him. Signing for him, I don't know his medical history. 
So I don't know how he's going to be, but you know, he <laughs> he might be a guy. If he plays, I think I haven't seen the the roster yet, but if, I mean, if, as long as he plays in summer league, which I think he will, he's a guy who who might surprise people in summer league. You know, he's going to look really raw, but he, he might make some highlight plays that you can really see some potential from him. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I like his obviously, like you said, his athleticism kind of jumps out of the page. If anybody saw some of his uh, workout videos at during the draft, uh, yeah, his athlet- athleticism was on display. Um, obviously, his shooting percentages are, are piss poor. They're very scary, actually. It's like 59% from free throw free throw line and then 28% from three. That's not that encouraging. But, you know, at least he shot 45%, you know, two-point field goals. But I think the Lakers are banking and hoping that they can turn this guy into a defensive prospect. Like you said, the fact that you said he may at some point be able to guard like, you know, one through three or one through four is very encouraging. And the fact that he's a six, six guard, but with almost a seven foot wingspan, I think is very intriguing, you know, and if you can just mold that type of prospect right now from being raw, but turning that rawness into, you know, someone who has defensive fundamentals and stuff like that. I think that could be a very interesting play for the Lakers. So I'm, I'm, I'm more and more excited about this, this signing. I, I suppose he's just going to be one of those two way contract type players, but it could end up working out for the Lakers in the long run, especially because, you know, last year they, they signed David Nuaba and, and all Nuaba did was really be energetic and play hard on defense. And if you can get a guy like Nuaba, but with more length and actual upside, even on the offensive end, I think that would be beneficial for them. So I like your insight on PJ Dozier. So. Yeah. He's a, he's a nice sign. And like I said, I was surprised he went and drafted like. I kind of lost sight of him in the second round when, you know, he wasn't going. Um, and then afterwards, I was like, well, P.J. Doja didn't go. So I, <laughs> I, he, uh, he was one of the guys I expected to get signed pretty quickly. So Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us and, and the Lakers overall 2017 NBA draft. Um, I guess the last question I wanted to ask you, and it's not necessarily draft related, but what did you think about the Lakers salary cap dumping D'Angelo Russell for Brooke Lopez and the hopes of cap space max star X. Yeah. You know, it's just not a move you can evaluate now, mm-hmm. mainly. I mean, for a bunch of reasons, one, like you say, we don't know what they're going to do down the line. Like, I mean, if they can get LeBron James and obviously the move is amazing, you know, or if they can even get like a Paul George, the move, the move is probably like great for them. Um, and we don't really even know what D'Angelo Russell is yet. Like if D'Angelo Russell, you know, if he goes to Brooklyn and like he, he balls out, well then, you know, that might look bad, but he's also going to look really good on a, on a bad team. So we don't really know mm-hmm. if, if he's even what, if he can even be a point guard on a good team. You know, I think that's going to be a couple of years down the line before we even realize that. And, you know, I, I, you know, I've, as I don't know what to think of Magic Johnson yet as a GM, but you do kind of have to trust him, like his instincts as a former point guard as to what he's looking for in a point guard sure. to lead the to lead the Lakers. You know, you know, I'm not in the in the locker room, you know, I haven't been to a Lakers game live, so I can't speak a whole lot to to Russell's leadership. But I mean he's still twenty, he's twenty one, you know, like he might not be the leader leader now, but how many guys at that age are and you know, even if he's a point guard, you know, you, you maybe you don't give up on him and and you kind of let him develop into a leader, but at the same time, you signed Timothy Mozgov to a really bad contract last year. So yep. if it takes D'Angelo Russell to get to get rid of Timothy Mozgov, it might work out in the future. So you know, it's definitely could come back to bite him. You know, if D'Angelo Russell turns into like a All Star player and they, the Lakers don't sign anyone with this cap space, then it's obviously going to look bad. But 
it's also got the, the potential to look really good if they can, you know, sign some mega guys, you know, or trade for some mega guys or sign some mega guys in a, in a year or two, and then it's going to look great no matter how good D'Angelo Russell is in a couple of years. Sure. And like you just said, it might end up working out well for both parties involved with Russell kind of, you know, getting more of the keys in Brooklyn because they have no hope. They don't have that much hope in the future. And so they all, he all of a sudden gives them some of that hope in terms of a young upside prospect that they can kind of, um, you know, build around and morph into who they want him to be. And then also in, you know, Atkinson's system, that was Lynn Sanity time. You know, he's going to get to pick and roll, pick and roll in a pace and space type of offense. So it could end up working out really well for him. But, you know, on our side, it's just, we have to wait a year. You know, it's like one of those things for the Lakers and Lakers fans once again, where it's like, okay, yeah, we don't, we, we had D'Angelo Russell, but we're now trading him off for future considerations or future assets and just hoping that turns into a tangible you know, solid superstar type player, which, you know, the Lakers haven't done well um, in ha- in doing and in, in working out that strategy in the last few years. We're just hoping that this time around with Magic on board, Rob Palenka and the Lakers actually having a young core and then also no Kobe Bryant to kind of impede incoming superstars, that those different factors will be the difference this time around in terms of quote unquote saving salary cap space and, you know, um, yeah, pigeonholing that spot for a superstar. So yeah, and from an outsider's perspective, you know, and, you know, especially me, who's like, you know, a proponent of building through the draft. You kind of, you know, you see the Lakers who get what four top five draft picks in the last couple of years with, you know, Randall, Ingram, Ball, and Russell, and then they've already traded Russell. They're talking about trading Randall. And it's like this is the kind of the way one of the ways you're supposed to be able to build a team, mm-hmm. you know. But then you make a mistake with Mozgov. You know, you think that you can, you you think that you can, you know, build some cap room with, um, to fill these guys on the line. And like, these are the reasons that, you know, you, you take these assets is that, you know, maybe you, you don't develop them yourselves, but you, you, you swap them into something that's more useful for you. And if, you, if the Lakers in the day think that cap room is more useful than, than Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell, then that's not a bad gamble to, to take. And I do think, you know, speaking to Russell, I do, I still like him as a prospect. I think, like I said, it's, it's too early to judge him, you know, as a leader, like Magic Johnson. Right. You know, I think even if he never becomes one, it's, it's not, it's too early to give up on him as a leader, especially from the point guard position. So I do like him as a prospect. I think he's going to eventually turn into a nice player, whether that's an all-star or just like, you know, a, a nice rotation player. I'm not quite sure yet, but you know, if that's what it takes to, to clear cap space and that's what the Lakers wanted, then that's what they had to give up. So awesome. Thanks. That was a very measured and balanced take. And it's making me a little more encouraged about what we just did because I was one of those like people who the sky is falling. What did we just do? We just gave up on the former number two pick two years ago. Are we insane? We lucked into these sort of picks and we're just now throwing them away willy nilly, you know? So thank you for your measured take uh, and balanced take. And it's, you know, yeah. helping me it through sounds, this time. It certainly sounds like, as especially when the deal came across, I was just like, what are the Lakers doing? But then you realize, <laughs> like, you know, they messed up with Miles Gob. They got out from that mistake. You know, they're kind of, triaging, you know, something that they did last year that they never should have done. That mm-hmm. I mean, everyone said last year was bad, so to get out from under it, is, I think was a good was the best part of that of that deal. Right. It's just unfortunate that uh, D'Angelo Russell had to be the sacrificial lamb to yeah. erase yeah. the sins of the past. So, but yeah. it is what it is. So, you know, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the Lakers Legacy. We appreciate your insight into our. F- four draft picks plus our undrafted uh, free agent. Obviously the Lakers were very busy. Um, 
And there's a reason why, because they probably hope to consolidate some of these assets for Paul George in the future. And and because they traded away D'Angelo Russell to also compensate for the fact that they lost a young prospect. And I think I like the way that they're going with this uh, this young core right now. It It'll be interesting to see uh, where they go in terms of building out a competitive team and whether they can get Paul George in this year or if he just comes in free agency and whether or not they can uh, make this young core that they have right now attractive enough for a guy like Paul George and another you know superstar X to come and say, okay, this team looks promising. They have bright young upside guys and we can just fill it in with you know one or two more stars and we can be a competitive team. So yeah, thank you for coming on. And if you want to just plug your social media sites once again, go ahead and do so. Yeah, I'm excited for the Lakers future. I think, you know, I'm getting ready for summer league. I think every minute that that Lonzo Ball plays, you know, it's going to be appointment television for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, you know, Draft Express, we're going to take the, you know, we're going to have some coverage. You know, John and Mike do a good job during the summer of going to all like Adi- uh, Adidas camps and, and Mike will be at some summer league. So you'll probably see some coverage there. And then the preseason reports will start back up uh in in september or october i, I know that lavar ball thinks that the lakers won't need a, a, a <laughs> high pick next year but you never know so just keep checking the site and then you know follow me on twitter at joshua underscore riddell you know i try to talk about you know not just draft prospects but but uh nba younger guys and, and some g league guys too so i try to like always have some video up and you know maybe some 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 longer some lo- longer threads so just follow me on there and if you have any questions on any of the Lakers guys, you know, feel free to hit me up. I'm always available. So, Awesome. Thank you. We look forward to reading more of your coverage in the future. And yeah, we'll catch you later. All right. Great. Thanks. Why is it? It doesn't seem to even phase you. Looking up there, it kind of looks like it's meant to be. Yeah, my whole life I always set the bar high. So I'm glad Magic, you know, came in here and did that for me. So um, now I'm just going to be chasing challenges. All right, so that was our Draft Express grade the Lakers draft with Josh Riddell. We want to thank him again for coming on. I thought a lot of his insight on all four prospects was was a revelation, and it was really cool to see, yeah, I guess just gain his insight on all the guys. So, Alan, I know you got to take a deeper look into some of the guys, so we can kind of just roll down the list here. And obviously, we'll start with number 27, Kyle Kuzma, which was the most confusing for all of us. It was almost the same reaction we had when Larry Nance Jr. got picked, and we were like, huh? You know? (laughs) Um, But I guess after seeing some of his tape, what have you thought? And, you know, this morning on Twitter, I also posted some clips of him and made a comment that, hey, this guy looks like a very, very, very poor man's version of Ben Simmons plus... Tobias Harris because of the way he shoots his jump shot and the fluidity with which he moves it's almost wing-like even though at the end of the day he's going to be like a stretch four and obviously Josh Riddell still mentioned that this was some somewhat of a reach and maybe you could have gotten him in the second round and whatnot but I think like our 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 scouting staff has shown before if we really like a player we're just going to take it at that spot you know and not get cute with it so what have you thought about Kyle Kuzma and some of the tape that you've seen? Yeah, I was uh, looking at Draft Express, probably like everybody else out there, and one of the things that I really like about their website is they log their mock draft history going back to like March 2016 or whatever, and um, (laughs) on April 26th of this year, 2017, he was projected to be the 59th pick in the draft, so second to last. Um, By May 12th, he jumped to 44th, and then by June 15th, he was projected to be the 31st pick. 
So, you know, you obviously want to take the draft combine into account. And a lot of people have said that he really showed out there. He played extremely well. So that's why um, their projections obviously changed significantly. But it's just crazy how much his stock increased. Um, again, going from 59th all the way to us picking him at, you know, late 20s, basically. Yeah, so actually, you know, at his draft combine, they, they play those scrimmage games or whatever. He scored right. 20 points on 8 of 10 shooting, 4 for 5 from 3. And then on top of that, he had a really strong workout with the Lakers. So obviously all that lends itself to us picking him at exactly. 27. Yeah, it, so it's it's just crazy how, you know, some of the best uh, scouts out there with the best eyes um, – just get more looks at this guy and then suddenly they're buying in. So that's kind of what his journey has been as far as that goes. But um, overall, I I do like what I see. Um, I like the comparisons that you have. Um, I think one of the things that stands out probably most to all of us is how smooth his game is. Um, He has very good footwork. He's extremely light on his feet. One of our friends, Victor, who we've mentioned many times in our little uh, chat group, says he's like twinkle toes out there. (laughs) And um, I I would totally agree with that. He has good touch around the rim. Um, He's got some nice up and under moves. He stays pretty calm when he's under duress. Uh, His mid-range Jumper looks pretty good. Um, it's smooth. It's it's like an easy looking shot. You know, it's it's easy to watch. It doesn't look awkward. Yep. There isn't necessarily like a hitch in there or anything strange like that. Um, as far as him in an isolation game, he does have some decent moves. He utilizes uh, some jab steps pretty in a savvy way. He can finish with his left and his right, which is great. Uh, we know some guys on our team have some issues with their uh, ambidexterity. Um, he can cut, he's good at diving, he moves without the ball, which in Luke, Walt's, Luke Walton's system is something we definitely want to have happen. Um, playing through contact is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Larry Nance thing is great a great comparison as well because I, I can see them both like running the floor if they ever happen to be out there at the same time. Just imagine them running the wing on a fast break with Lonzo, uh, you know, the ball is in his hands. That, that's a pretty cool thing. Um Passing instincts are are pretty good. He's a good playmaker. So those are some of the pros for sure. Um, And there is this one play, you know, we talked about the draft combine a little bit, how he showed out. There's one play in particular where it's like he had eyes in the back of his head, Mm -hmm. where he hit a guy for a corner three when he was in the paint, and it was extremely congested around him. But he knew where everybody was out on the floor. And obviously, he's not practicing with this team at the Combine. He doesn't know anybody's tendencies. But he's just got that feel for the game that you like to see. Um, so I thought that was uh, very impressive. As as far as things that he needs to work on, um, his ball handling is not great. He can yeah. be kind of out of control at times. And he's one of those types that will have a tendency to dribble into the defense, into the teeth of the defense, get get out of control, into trouble, turn it over. Um, his shooting, while his mechanics are good, he's a very inconsistent shooter. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, he did average sixteen point four points per game, but uh, his field goal percentage was fifty point four percent. Three point percentage was thirty two point one, and free throws were sixty seven percent. Um, so we definitely want those numbers to be higher up. Um, but yeah, I would say the biggest things is he just seems to get a little out of sorts at times. He'll turn the ball over, kind of lose control, like I said. Um, and then defensively, he needs to be tougher on defense for sure. I think one of the biggest knocks on him is his lack of physicality. Um, so hopefully he gets stronger because he's pretty athletic. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that aggressiveness just, just shows up and, uh, otherwise, 
at the end of it, I would say, yeah, it, it still kind of feels like a little bit of a reach. Um, but whether he's a first round talent or a second rounder, he is kind of right on that border. Um, so I'm going to trust our scouts because clearly they've proven themselves in the past. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think with regards to his shooting, you know, the last 10 games or so, he shot like 40% from three. So it's almost like that Josh Jackson thing, except this one I can believe because his shooting stroke looks very fluid. And sometimes he catches it and fires it off really fast like he's a wing. Right, so exactly. I think just the more reps he has and the more he hones that skill, I, I definitely can believe it becoming a legitimate threat. And like you said... You know, some of his passes, his reads are really great. Like, he'll he'll throw these nifty, you know, needle-threading bounce passes in traffic, you know, on the baseline to people for dunks and layups and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's really impressive. Uh, and I also, I think, in transition, when he gets the rebound, he can do that Julius Randle stuff, but in a little more controlled and less erratic manner, right? And then I think the biggest thing that separates him from Julius Randle right now is, like you said, his ability to finish and his soft touch in the lane. Like, even when he goes in, he can contort his body in ways where, you know, when Julius contorts his body, we're not sure where the ball is going to come out of, you know? Yeah, it's usually but, quite an adventure. Yeah, but with Kuzma, it seems like he's got some nifty touch moves and, like, reverse layups and whatnot that he knows how to, like, consistently hit like it's a legitimate shot so I think that's why I'm encouraged by his ability to be someone who can really attack off the dribble attack off the ball and be able to finish as a role man you know so that's why I've bought in a lot more into Kuzma you know he is like a coming out of he is a junior so he's a little older right he's basically 22 years it says he's 29 21.9 years old (laughs) yeah but i still think there's upside there you know his freshman year he only played like eight minutes a game averaged three points and then oh for sure his sophomore year with uh i think frank kaminsky or whatever um he averaged 24 minutes no not frank kaminsky sorry utah Yeah, Pirtle, yeah. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he only he averaged like 11 points, 5 rebounds, and then this year he got more minutes at 30 minutes per game and 16-9, 2.4 assists. You know, he was ab- yep. able to really show more of his skill. So, yeah, Kuzma is a guy that, you know, I still think it's a bit of a reach. I would have loved to have Derek White or Sammy Ojale, but I get it. I can see it now, obviously. Um, it's all about versatility, and then also... You know, if you have to trade Randall for something else, we have the ability to do so now. You know, people are saying like, oh, this guy's a poor man's Randall. And I told Tommy and you guys earlier, I don't know, man. In some <laughs> I, ways. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he, in, he definitely has some skills and he has touch. Um, you can tell he's worked on his game in that sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, who do, I, who do I feel more comfortable with under the rim who has to kind of flip up a shot? Yeah, I was going to say sometimes I think Randall is a poor man's Kuzma. So, I mean, obviously, Kuzma's not as athletic as Randall, doesn't have the uh, the dribbling acumen. Yeah, like, that we're, not, we're not does. saying Kuzma is literally a better player than Julius no, Randall because no, we've at never all. seen him play in the NBA. But just as, like, some of the little things, you're like, oh, like, he looks a little bit more skilled in that sense. But also the mentality, right? Julius Randall mm-hmm. is, it's harder to mold a guy like Julius Randall, who's always been the man his entire career, to become the player that they want him to be, which is more of a a role player when you have Kuzma who's played that role pretty much all his life in college. And he's just coming into this system where he's going to be expected to just play a versatile role, you know, be in the flow of the system and do all that stuff that, you know, makes him who he is like a rebounder, a good passer who makes good reads, hits an open jump shot once in a while. So yeah, I think this is why potentially if Julius Randall is off the team, 
you know, Kuzma might be the reason why he's a little more expendable than usual. All right, so let's move on to Josh Hart, and we can keep this one a little quick because we've already, you know, overly praised him and his hustle and heart and whatnot. So what have you seen from Josh Hart? So Josh Hart, a lot of people, I I feel like, have this notion that he's more of a point guard. He's 6'6", 204. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he's he's a big guard. He's a senior. We all know that. Uh, 6'8", wingspan. Uh, He has a pretty nice-looking perimeter shot. There are some flaws with his mechanics. Uh, He has a tendency to uh, shoot on the way down, and there's a little hitch at the top there which he could work on, but he did shoot 40.4% from the three, and he shot 74.7% from the free throw line. So uh, I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, we've heard, like, Brandon Ingram has completely reinvented his shot this summer, and it's working out really well. So things like that are going to happen for Josh Hart. Not too worried. Um, very good decision maker. He likes making the extra pass, which again is perfect for our system. Um, so he's just another one of those combo guards, you know, if he needs to be aggressive offensively and score, get into the paint, draw fouls, which he does a lot of, he's really good at getting to the free throw line. You know, he can do that and he's got spin moves. He's got a Euro step. Um, but he's very willing to be that passer. So he fits the mold for sure. Uh, he's pretty good at pushing in transition. He's not the fastest guy, but he is pretty under control. Um, I would say overall, he's a fundamentally sound player. Again, being a four-year player who won the national championship and, um, you know, having such a, a great coaching staff of Villanova definitely contributed to that. And I, I can just, I can totally imagine Lonzo Ball passing to him as he comes off of like down screens and curls and things like that, you know, he has really good footwork when it comes to his jump shot, um, whether he hops into it or he takes like a one, two step. So that's a good thing. And one of the biggest things you're going to hear about him is how tough of a player he is, how he turns 50, 50 balls into 80, 20 balls in favor of your team. And honestly, that's something that our team, I would say has lacked big time yeah is just that guy like and we've said it before like he's it's like a Derek fisher you know if Derek fisher's out there he's gonna ball out he's gonna dive out of bounds and do whatever it takes he'll like slam himself into louis scola (laughs) in the playoffs you know so uh, i think josh hart is one of those guys that's just gonna boost everybody's energy anytime he's out there um as far as what he could work on um not the most athletic guy again so when it comes like isolation plays if he has to create for himself that's not the easiest thing in the world Uh, He's not super fast, and a lot of times he'll try to use his physical strength, and uh, that doesn't always work out too well. Tends to kill his dribble often when he's in trouble, and then he'll settle for contested shots. Um, Not the most explosive, not really a finesse finisher, so you know in the NBA, um, when he is, you know, typically he'll want to get in the paint, get to the free throw line. Obviously, everyone's bigger and stronger in the league, so that could be problematic for him. Um, You know, but hopefully... When he's on the Lakers, his jump shot is just working for him. So he doesn't have to rely so much on getting into the paint. Because I could see him getting into trouble as far as that goes. And uh, defensively, I I think he is going to have some issues. As anyone in um, any guard is going to have a problem with. You know what I mean? The NBA. But because he isn't the fastest, because he doesn't have elite length. His wingspan is six, eight and a quarter inches. Like, that's okay, you know. Um... But, yeah, he'll definitely struggle from there. But overall, I think, you know, we all talked about before, we really like him as a prospect. And he could have gone earlier for sure in the draft. Uh, So very happy to get him. Yep, I agree with all those points. And I think at a certain point, if they were looking between him and Derek White, 
they probably said that, you know, Josh Hart is solid enough that he makes Derek White redundant, and I don't have a problem with that. So let's move on with our number 42 pick, Thomas Bryant. What did you think of TB? The next Bryant to be a Laker. That's so bizarre. Um, So this guy is humongous, right? He's 6'10", 248 pounds, almost 20 years old, 7'6", wingspan. That is ridiculous. And impressively, we talked about this earlier, he shoots 38.3% from three, 73% free throw percentage. Yep, For a it's big legit. guy, that is awesome. So we know he can shoot it, right? Um, so here's another crazy thing. Based on uh, Draft Express and kind of their mock projections dating back, they had him as a mid-lottery pick hmm. in May 2016. Interesting. So you kind of think like that's like good, it's a steal for us, but at the same time, wait, why did he drop <laughs> so tremendously? You know, like, what did they see there? So, um, I don't know. At the very least, I guess we could take away that um, he has upside. You can't argue that. Um, things he's really good at. He finishes around the rim pretty well because of that six, seven foot six wingspan. Um, he doesn't get off the ground very high. He, he's not very explosive, not a lot of bounce there, but he utilizes his length, which is great. And it helps with his rebounding, um, obviously helps protect the rim as well. Um, biggest thing really is like his motor. That guy runs the floor so hard. So again, team like ours, that wants to really gun it. Um, that's going to be perfect. And again, we've had a lot of bigs in the past that just don't get back in transition. And then same thing for transition defense, you know? So if he's that guy that just has that motor, um, that's going to be very helpful, especially because we don't know how much time he's going to spend in the G league, right? If he could show out there, who knows, maybe we end up calling him up. Um, like I said, he shoots well from the three point line. His shot is pretty flat, which I don't know if you're a six ten guy shooting threes, I guess that kind of makes sense. Maybe our coaching staff can kind of work out some of those mechanics. That way he gives himself more of a chance to make some. Um, but again, shot a good percentage. And um, as far as what he can work on, like we said, like athleticism is kind of the thing. Um, not the most explosive guy tends to rely on bully ball really to get his. And we have a lot of that going on on our team from certain people. Right. So um, I I can understand why some people, if they're doing their own little scouting report on him, might think, Oh God, like, here we go again. The difference is this guy's got a shot, right? Mm -hmm. So if that makes you feel better, hopefully it does. Um, Isn't very ambidextrous, not much of a left hand. He'll force things with his right. So he's got to work on that posting up, not really his game, but we don't run many post up sets anyway sure um he really needs to work and i noticed this without even watching a draft express tape he really needs to get strength in his lower body that guy gets shoved around so much in the paint he's like getting abused down there and it's because he doesn't have a very strong base and core so that is something that uh you know hopefully gunner peterson (laughs) really works on they go to the beach and they do all kinds of crazy like crossfit training or whatever um I think it's going to be very helpful for him to work with uh, Brooke Lopez and Zubots as well, because at this point he doesn't have a whole lot of touch around the rim. And obviously both of those guys do. And uh, based on some of the interviews I've heard from him, he seems like a very high character guy and he's going to listen and he's very coachable, wants to work hard. So uh, yeah, hopefully he um, puts on a good show during summer league and plays to his strengths. And then we'll see. I I don't see how often he's going to actually be with the big club. Um, I think he'll be in the G League for the yep. most part, which is which is totally fine. Um, yeah, we'll see how he develops. 
Yeah, I think he's a little clunky in the post. Yeah. And yeah, there are times when I'm just like, uh, this guy moves kind of weird. It's almost like when Andrew Bynum was a rookie, I was like, this just doesn't look right, you know, even though mm. he's only 6'10". But but yeah, hopefully they'll they'll work the kinks out and he'll run some green miles. Remember? Because you called him <laughs> <laughs> the green mile. He, Michael, Michael Clark, Clark Duncan, Duncan, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, does, he does look like him, he like does, the, the right? facial structure. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, okay, so let's move on lastly to um, our undrafted free agent, PJ Dozier, who, man, 6'6", six, six, with a, almost yes. a seven-foot wingspan. And, Sick. you know, he, he he dropped because, obviously, he has some injury concerns or whatnot, but I can see the upside. I can see the potential. Um, Joshua Riddell actually thinks he has a higher upside than Thomas Bryant and maybe even Kuzma. He really liked his potential as a defensive prospect. And, you know, his percentages are crap. But, you know, when you're working with that kind of length, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, we were talking about Karis Levert. Well, this guy kind of has the same sort of, you know, mold as a Karis Levert type, if you know how to hone that uh, correctly. So what, what do you think of PJ Dozier? Yeah, the 6'11 wingspan thing is crazy. Um, so, again, looking at those mock, <laughs> mock draft things um had he come out next year 2018 he would have been um oh sorry i'm like reading this incorrectly yeah so he would have been a mid first rounder <laughs> if he'd come out in 2018 um but then his stock dropped significantly uh because of those injuries but yeah had he stayed healthy had he waited a year it's crazy to see how high he would have gone so i think everyone you know scouts really see that potential as well but uh yeah there's a bit of a red flag there like you said um defensively is definitely where it's at for him uh, with that length um there's there's no denying that he would be an effective perimeter defender because even if he gets beat off the dribble, you know, he can use those long arms to kind of seal guys off, cut them off, whatever, play the passing lanes, all of that stuff. Uh, he's a very smooth player, actually, for someone who is is somewhat raw, and he definitely flourishes when he's in the open court on the fast break. Very, very fast. He's got good bounce, burst, good burst of speed. Um, another impressive thing is when he's in transition, you know, he doesn't like just put his head down and run. He's got his eyes up the entire time and he's surveying the floor that way he knows to make the right basketball play. So as far as like his, his point guard vision, so to speak, it, it seems like there are some indicators that it exists. And just as he learns more, uh, you know, hopefully he can implement that, uh, as time goes on, um, defensively disrupts passing lanes, uh, he averaged 2.3 steals per 40 minutes. That's mm -hmm. absolutely insane. Again, all because of those, you know, because of the measurables there. Um, so, yeah, I think he could be a very solid role player and a two-way player as well. But when you look at his game offensively, it is like you just bought a steak uh, from Costco. You know what I mean? And, yeah. like, they, they didn't cook it. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of where he's at on offense. His, his shot is kind of all over the place. It's it's a lot of bricks. And, like, you know, it's one thing if you have a low percentage and you're missing shots, but it's always off the front of the rim, the back of the rim. When it starts going left and right as well, when you're getting a lot that are off the backboard, air balls, whatever, you know, that's obviously not good. Um, and his shot mechanics look very odd. Like it looks really forced and you could tell South Carolina, they wanted him to spread the floor, but I, I just don't think he was ready to do that. But it's like, well, what else are you there for then if you're a guard? Um, so that's something he'll have to work at like crazy. 
Um, obviously that means in isolation, he's ineffective. So for him, it's all about being in transition. That's where he's going to be at his best. Um, so yeah, man, hopefully he learns, you know, I, I don't know, um, if we would sign him to a, a G league contract or whatever, I hope so. But I mean, we saw a guy like Zach August last year who we felt had a great motor and great potential and then things just didn't work out. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll have to see. I, I like him, though, as a uh, as a young prospect. I could see where one more year of college, health permitting, though, would have benefited him greatly with his stock. Yeah, for sure. That's great analysis. And I think with the advent of the two-way contracts, that should help alleviate that because we can just sign him, keep the rights to him, and he'll play G League the entire year. The two-way contracts, by the way, allow players or allow teams to essentially have a roster of 17 people, you know, um, where two of the prospects you can just leave down in the G League and you pay them significantly more than a normal G League player would be making. But that also means you keep the rights to them and you can bring them up and down anytime you want. So that should help PJ Dozier. But overall, great draft for the Lakers in a vacuum, an A. Joshua Verdell gave us an A, so that's something we can look forward to. We don't have to cry about D'Angelo Russell. Still sucks, though. Um, but I, I feel great right now after yeah, talking about all great. this. <laughs> exactly. So we have a lot to look forward to. Um, we'll cut it short here since we've been running long already. But thank you guys for listening. We plan to have a uh, pre-free agency primer episode um, coming later this week right before July 1st and yeah that should be fun we're going to have Keith Smith NBA he's a front office insider he does our front office insider show on the Almighty Baller Radio Network so look forward to that he's going to educate us a little educate us a little on cap space stuff um, hashtag cap space better um, but yeah thank you guys <laughs> for listening Please follow us on Twitter, as usual, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes, because the more you rate interview us, that is how many green miles the green mile Thomas Bryant will run this offseason so that he gets into tip-top shape and improves his athleticism and core. All right, Alan, I will catch you later. All right, man. See you. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com.
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises prizes in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.